This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. a praise this morning. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can have a seat. Turn to your neighbor this morning. Just tell them they look good. They worked hard to look good this morning. All right. Hey, did you guys know y'all can clap in church? Yeah. Yeah. We can clap in church. There's a scripture right here. The psalmist says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a jubilant cry for Yahweh. The most high is awe inspiring a great king over all the earth. We can clap in church. Let's practice it. Come on. I just, I used to, I grew up in church, uh, and I used to hear these these older guys say, if you can clap at a baseball game for your favorite team, you can clap for Jesus. And I used to be like, oh my gosh, I got tired of hearing that. And like, I guess the older I got, the more I understand, like, clapping we equate with uh, with performance typically. Like, you know, someone does something good, we clap for them. But in this space, in the context of the church, clapping, that physical act, is actually an act of worship, uh, an act in which we give God praise. And so, yes, next time, when you come into the river, you can be clapping all the way from the parking lot if you want to. Uh, Good morning, everybody. My name's Joel Libramento. I'm a pastor here at the river. And we're giving Pastor Mike, our senior pastor, a break. We're actually in a sermon series called Summer at the River. And uh, today, the title of my sermon is going to be called Staycation. Staycation, being content where you are. Let's pray this morning. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we're we're here. And God, we believe not only uh, are we present, but you're present. And God, we just want to hear your voice this morning. We want to experience your love. We want to experience your grace. We want to experience uh, just who you are. And so, Lord, I pray that, God, as, I, as I'm up here just sharing the word, Lord, that you kind of hide me behind the cross, that, that what we hear from uh, the message today is what you have for us. And so, God, I just I pray you bless it. God, help us to be content. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. When I was young, (laughs) when I was young, kids used to say to me, you got a big nose. Y'all can laugh because it's true. And I used to look around and I used to go, I want that nose. I want his nose. I want that nose. And I was in church one time and I heard a pastor quote a scripture and it said, he said this, he said, did you know God knits you together in your mother's womb? And I was like, I said, God made this? Like, what? And I thought to myself, well, if God made this and he liked it, I guess I like it. And I began to kind of love my nose and how I look. So much so that now, you've probably heard me say this, I have a a son And my prayer, this is a legit prayer. I pray he gets this nose. Yeah. It's a, it's our signature. It's the Libramento signature. Yeah. We don't always, uh, we typically as humans, we always want what we don't have. Uh, I heard this in the first half of, first half of your life, most people give up their health to get money. In the second half of your life, you give up your money to get your health back. 
right? We always kind of live in this cycle of wanting something that we can't have. You know, we, we always want something more. We're creatures that are never satisfied. I'd be at Chick-fil-A with my wife, just finished the Cobb salad, looking at her fries like, I want more. I'm looking at Manny's fruit cup. My son, like, I got to get that fruit cup. We're never satisfied. We always want more. And at no point in history have people had so much and yet wanted so much more. Think about it. At no point in history have people had so much and wanted so much more. And when we compare ourselves with others, we often get dissatisfied and discontent in our own hearts. All right. I want to say this too, before I get into this little section here, you know, I love and embrace the value of social media. All right. I use social media. Like I was going to use this as a plug to go follow me on Instagram, but I'm not. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, I love and use social media. All right. It connects you with people all over the world. Uh, Man, you can, you can push causes. Our church, we have social media accounts that you can find out what we're doing. Uh, I love social media. But sociologists have begun to do studies where they find that social media is one of the biggest drivers for discontentment in our culture and in the world today. And it doesn't help that we're, most of us in the room are of a generation where when, when social media was introduced, we didn't know the effects of it. Now we do. You find generations, our younger generation crowd, they're not on socials. They're doing, they, they probably see like, man, my mom and dad are on Facebook all the time. You know, they're like, I don't want to get on that. And so like now, now we're, all these studies are coming up to find out, wow, this is a source of discontentment. And we often, we feel bad about ourselves. I heard someone say this, when we look at other people's lives, uh, well, just think about it, Instagram or social media, Facebook, whatever, uh, people always put the curated version of themselves, Right. Like, I don't post a picture of me getting up out of bed, right? My hair all crazy, what little hair I have left. And like, it's just, you always put your best image forward. I heard somebody say this. We always compare our behind the scenes with someone else's highlights. Isn't Isn't that real? We always compare our behind the scenes with someone else's highlights. And so it's easy uh, to get discontent when you see people or see something that you want, right? Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Y'all thought that was in scripture, didn't you? Theodore Roosevelt. It was a president, U.S. president. Represent. So what I want to talk about first is I want to talk about three different types of discontentment. All right, three different types of discontentment. The first one is material and financial discontentment. Let me just break it down for us real quick. All right, fellas, you see that guy that you know, he just got that new car, right? And you, you're like, ooh, that's a nice car. And then you look at your car and you're like, ooh, I need a new car. Yeah, y'all act like that never happened. Listen, I drive a Chevy HHR. Listen, that happens to me all the time. I'm like, man, I need a new car. I'm looking at y'all's cars like, discontentment is happening in the parking lot of the church. I'm looking at y'all's cars like, man, I really need... And it's a Chevy HHR. I know a lot of you thought it was a PT Cruiser. You thought I drove a PT Cruiser. I don't. It's a Chevy HHR. You know, and maybe, guys, it's a, it's a new fishing rod. It's a new, uh, it's a new rifle. I don't know what it is for you, but somebody got it, and you're like, I want that. I wish I had that. You know, maybe it's the new Nikes, right? Your friend got the new Nikes, and now you're looking at your shoes like you got them dad shoes, right? Just for the record, dad shoes are in style now. All right, so they're in style. You're good. And I know you're looking at my shoes. These were $8 on the Wish app. 
All right, just for the record, I didn't spend no money on this. All right, they're made of paper, okay? They look good, but they're made of paper, all right? But maybe you, you got looking at the Nikes, you're like, I want those Nikes, right? Ladies, you saw on Instagram, you, you're the girl that you followed just took that dope picture of that cute little smoothie that she hand juiced from the mangoes in her tree in her backyard. And you're like, oh my God, oh, I love that kitchen. You're not even looking at the smoothie. You're looking at the white marble countertop and the perfectly positioned cabinets and the pools I wanted for my cabinets, right? Right? And that discontentment starts to kind of well up in you. You're envious. You're kind of jealous, Right? You're, you see that family, they went to the beach three times this summer. You can't even get out to the lake, right? And you're upset about it. Man, discontentment can happen with material and financial things. Let's take a look. Oh, first of all, let's just, let's have a moment of honesty. If you have ever felt that way before, just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No liars in church, right? Yeah. Everybody, we've all felt that before. That's real. That's real. The next, the next thing is... Uh, uh, what was it? Relational discontentment, right? Ladies, you're at the house Friday night and you're looking, you got pictures, all the girls are out, girls night out, and you're at the house chilling on the couch and you're like, why wasn't I invited? Like, you're mad about it, right? Like, I want to go out. I want to hang out with the ladies, right? And you see that kind of a relationship. You're like, man, what? Maybe you're single, you're not married yet, and everyone around you is married and happy, and you're just like, why can't I be married? Why can't I be happy, right? With your kids, you see families, guys, this happens to me a lot, guys getting to spend a ton of time with their kids, and I'm at work, slaving away all day, every day, not going to spend time with Manny, because I'm working for, to make money for Manny, and then you feel guilty, you feel bad, right? And so you, you, you long for that that, that, that relationship, and so you become kind of discontent. Maybe you're married, and you see all these couples are going out on day nights, you're looking at different things, and you see them, and you're like, their marriage looks so great. I want that intimacy. I want that. And then that, that kind of discontentment starts kind of breeding in your heart, right? Man, that's, that's just real. That happens, I think, with everybody. In fact, if, that's, if you've ever felt that way, just raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah, relationship. You ever been like, man, I wish I could have gone out. Relational discontent. The next one is circumstantial discontentment. This is the one that gets us. This is the one that really gets us. Circumstantial. I have this kind of philosophy. If I ever wrote a book, this would be in it. And it's, it's called the finish line mentality, right? When you're in college, you're like, I can't. When I graduate college, I will have crossed the finish line and I will be completely fulfilled and content. And you, you throw that cap out of college and you're like, I want to be married. And you're like, when I get married, I'm going to be completely content. That person will fulfill me. And then you like get married and you're like, cross the finish line. You're like, I'm still not happy. And you're like, maybe when I get that kid, and you get the kid, and you're like, we got the perfect family, and I want a house. And then you're like, you get the house, and it just keeps going. It's this finish line mentality, because we're never completely content, right? You're at the, I don't know, I just when it came to me. You're at like at the ninth gender reveal party this, this, month, this week, and you ha- you're not at a place where you can have a kid yet. You know, that's circumstantial. It's like, oh, I wish that I was in a different place than I see everyone else. I long to be in that circumstance, not in my circumstance, right? How many of you guys know that most of this life is made up of how we respond to challenges? 
And I'm about to read a passage written by a guy in the Bible who is the king of contentment. I just gave him that title. The king of contentment. It sounded good. He's the king of contentment. It was Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. Uh, Check it out. We're going to actually read in Philippians 4.10 through 13. When Paul writes this, this joker is not sitting on the beach sipping a drink with an umbrella in it. He is in prison. All right, so he's not in the best situation. If he had a phone and was on the gram, he'd be like, I wish that I was at the beach. He's in prison. And, he, and, and it's just not good. All right, and this is probably, this is a Roman prison, I would imagine, and they're not pretty. All right, let's check it out. I want to read it for you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Okay, let me preface this. He's reading to the church in Philippi. So he's reading to all his friends. He's in prison writing a letter to him. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you last, at last you renewed your concern for me. I don't think he was being rude there. I don't think he was like, finally, you're actually thinking about me. I'm rotten in this prison. Uh, it says, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know that it is to be in, or I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Wow. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. If you've ever struggled with contentment, I want to tell you that the secret of contentment, the secret of of contentment is Jesus. Until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognize that Christ is all you need. I want to say that again. Until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognize that Christ is all you need. You want to know the power of contentment? Let everything be stripped away and you cling to the Savior. He is everything you need. You can leave this service right now, and you can go out there, and you can get all the approval you want, and you can go get all the likes on social media that you want, and you can go you can go get all the stuff that you feel like you need and you think is going to satisfy you, and you will still be in want. Can I get an amen? You can still be in want. And part of that is because you have a Christ, a God-sized void in your heart that only he can fill. Some of y'all, some of y'all maybe have not experienced, some of y'all are going, yeah, I've done that. I've lived that life. And if you're someone who's in here and you're like, you know what, I've tried to satisfy that contentment in my heart and everything this world has to offer and I couldn't find it, I'm here to tell you, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I know that from experience and I know that from the scriptures. God can satisfy those deep longings in your heart. Without Christ, you will always want more. The secret to being content is Jesus. And I wish that I could like, oh man, like I can't say that I'm always content. I can't say that I'm always at rest and at peace, but I wish I could just just put this in everyone's mind and we all believed it right now. Think about how powerful the church would be if we were all just content in him and we weren't struggling and striving and if we and the enemy wasn't beating our brains out about what we don't have and all those things imagine how powerful the church would be i mean i'm praying that god makes us like that 
And so there are two things that we can do to overcome envy. So if you're taking notes, there's two things that we can do to overcome envy. And the first one is kill comparisons. Kill comparisons. I'm going to read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. They are not wise. He's saying when you compare yourself to others, what you have or maybe who you are or the circumstance of your life, it's not wise. I mean, it sounds simple, right? It's easy to say it, but it's actually hard to live it out. It's just not wise. I want to be wise. It's actually in the big 10. There's a, ten, there's a commandment that says, thou shalt not covet. That's how important it is. It's in the big 10. Check out this scripture, James 3, 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, let me see, I know we're, we have like a different version. Uh, in, this, in the scripture that I got, wisdom is in quotation marks. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Do you want to know why envy hurts so bad? It's because it's demonic. The scripture is saying that. The pressure that you feel from envy, it's funny, if you look at Philippians, I don't have this up there, but if you have, if you go to look at Philippians 4.14, Paul talks about his state in prison as affliction. If you go to the Greek and you translate the word affliction, it is pressure. And some of you are under pressure uh, under demonic pressure because of your decision to, to covet, your decision to, uh, to not be content, to compare yourselves with others. And God wants to set you free. He wants to take the pressure off of you. Is that real? I mean, have you ever felt that pressure before? If you've ever been caught up in a place of discontent where you're just not happy and you just can't have enough, I'm telling you, it, it feels terrible. And there's a pressure there that you can't explain. It's like a cloud that hovers over you. And, and the scripture is saying that is demonic. And God wants to deliver you from that. He wants to change your situation. If Paul can be in prison under that pressure, the weight of that pressure, and he can sit in there and say, you know what? I have found I can be content in every situation. So can you. So can you. quiet either either I'm either I'm hitting the mark or I'm does this make sense I think that it's something that we all struggle with that we don't really talk about a lot I think a lot of envy happens in private you know maybe only the people closest to you know the things that you are envious of or the things that hurt you or the weight that you carry and so I'm thinking maybe we just we don't talk about it much there's two ways, this is in the first, we're talking about killing comparison. There's two ways we can fight the enemy of discontentment, all right? And these are just practical things, all right? Uh, take a social media break. If, and, and I'm not just, I'm not harping on social media, but I'm just saying, if you're someone who finds yourself discontent a lot and social media is the source of that, 
take a break, man. Take a breather. I've had to do it. Take a break. All right. It's going to help. It's going to it's going to kind of help detox you. Maybe you need a break. Maybe you need to hide certain people. Maybe it's not social media altogether. Maybe someone's feed is the problem and then you need to hide. Maybe it's my maybe you I don't know whose feed it is. Hide it. Whatever you got to do. All right. To fight discontentment. Do that. Do that. All right. It doesn't have to be social media. All right. You could be at home watching HDTV thinking your house is a shack. <laughs> Bet. Bet. All right. I'm serious. How many of you? Yeah. HDTV. Yeah. Magnolia. All that. You're like, oh, I wish I had shiplap. Like, <laughs> but I got paneling. You know what I'm saying? Like, quit. What, turn HDTV off, man. Wow. Man, whatever it is, that car show, maybe quit going to car shows, quit watching that hunting show, whatever it is that causes you that discontent, get rid of it. The second thing that you can do, and this one is just raw, this is real, and I've experienced this in my own life, I'm trying to change, all right? It's celebrate successes of others. Do you want to fight the enemy of discontentment? Celebrate somebody else's successes. Oh, that's real. That's real. That's real, and it's real hard. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like, it's real hard. Celebrating them purifies the intention of your heart. All right? Someone gets a job that that you wanted. Man, great job. Celebrate them. Celebrate them. Someone gets the thing you wanted. Celebrate them. Congratulate them. Someone gets to go to Hawaii on the vacation you've always wanted to do. Celebrate them. (laughs) Celebrate them. All right? Love them. It purifies uh, your heart. Man, when I was a kid, and uh, Mike always rips on me for telling kid stories. I got some current ones, too. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be, people want to be police officers, fire, firemen, and stuff like that. I wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. Like, I really, I wanted to travel the world, take photos. That was a goal in life, right? And uh, as I got older, I met a Texan girl and was like, my dreams are changing. Like, I want to have a family. And so, like, I, I got married, um, I have a son, I had a family, that was my dream. Now, all the people that I follow on Instagram, except for all my friends, are all travel photographers, all right? Not healthy. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm constantly looking at travel photography and everything, and I know a lot of people in my life, since I've pursued my dream of starting a family, who have gotten to travel the world and do incredible things. And I've met these people, and they're talking about, yeah, well, well, when we were in Italy and we went to Greece and all this kind of stuff, you know, I'm sitting there like, this. you have that moment where you're like, I'm either going to go, oh, that's nice, or I'm going to be like, that's awesome. You see the difference in the tone of my voice? <laughs> like, I'm either going to celebrate this person or I'm going to harbor bitterness in my heart that I didn't get to do that or I haven't done that. And there came a turning point for me, actually. There was a moment where I decided, you know what? I'm just going to celebrate people. Even though it's something that I want, I'm going to celebrate the blessings in their life. And what I'm about to tell you is, um, is it's not scriptural. I can't, I can't find it in scripture, all right? I, I think that it's true because of what I've experienced. So don't be like, my, you know, Pastor Joel said this, all right? But I feel from my experience that when you, when you celebrate others, God opens up doors for you. God opens up. When you celebrate others and you love other people, even if it's something that you don't want, God will sometimes open up opportunities for you. And I've gotten to travel some. Like, i got to do some cool stuff. I'm going to sound real bougie. We got to go to Iceland recently. And that came from, well, I was saving up money, but like that, 
that was something I really wanted to do. I wanted to take Manny and Katie to Iceland. And so like those opportunities opened up for me. I believe, I don't, again, it's not in scripture. This is my personal belief. I believe that came from me obeying God saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate this. And not, it doesn't happen that way all the time. I'm not saying that you're going to celebrate someone getting money and you're going to get blessed. Okay. I'm not saying that. All right. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Okay. Uh, but man, like I, I think about my current, here's a current story. All right. This past week, Katie and I closed on a, ha- a house. What, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And we're all cheering now. But you know how many years we've rented and how many friends of ours bought houses and how much we really wanted a place of our own and it just wasn't happening. We didn't have the money and stuff and how much we had to fight. Man, my, my wife is a champ. I wish she was, I wish she was in here. My wife is a champ because I've seen her on Pinterest like just wishing she had a place where she could paint the walls. You know what I mean? I've seen her like celebrate people getting homes and things like that and like, I've seen that knowing that was something that she was longing for in her heart. And um, God had blessed us. Like, now we have this place to call home, and we need lots of people to come help us move. (laughs) I set you all up just for that. No, I'm kidding. Um, So, yeah, I feel like this is true in my own life, you know. Um, But maybe your heart is not in the right place, and that's where where we struggle, man. We struggle in that way. Here's the second thing, all right? The first one was killing comparison, all right? Um, The second thing, what is the second thing that you can do to fight and overcome envy is cultivate gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. Someone defined envy like this resenting God's goodness in the lives of others and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. Mm. Yeah, y'all can, everybody hit that. Mm. Yeah. That's heavy. Proverbs 15, 15 says this, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. I like the sound of that. Continual feast. I'm going to be real with you. There are some people that you go around and they're oppressed and they're miserable. You don't want to be around those people. All right, that happens. That's real life, okay? And if you're one of those people, I'm sorry. Uh, you, need to, you need to have a cheerful heart so you can have that continual feast. And then there are other people around you who are just happy people. Let me say this. If you are looking for trouble, you're going to find trouble. All right, there's plenty to go around. If you're looking for God working in your life, if you're looking for happiness and joy in Jesus, you're going to find it. All right, that's real. You're going to find it. So what are you looking for? And I'm telling you, if you're looking for joy and happiness in Christ, that's the kind of people people typically want to be around, right? They don't want to be around someone who's miserable and oppressed all the time. And it has a lot to do about perspective, all right? And I've, I've known people who are like just uber positive, like crazy positive. Um, these are the people who are like, you're like, how you doing today? man, God is good. Today's an incredible day, you know? And you're like, wow, that, you're awesome. Like, you know, they're having a continual feast. And then like, and then like, they come in sick, like they got like strep throat and everything and they're sick. And you're like, how you doing today, man? And he's like, today is a great day, <laughs> you know? And you're like, bro, it don't look great. But dang, like, I love the positivity. Like, that's awesome. Like, my wife hates me because I'm like, ding in the morning. Today's going to be a good day. She's like, I hate you. Um, 
But like, you just want to be around those positive people. You want to hang out with that guy. You want to hang out with that guy, all right? So my question to you is, do you want to have a continual feast or do you want to be miserable? You want to be miserable, all right? I'm thinking about this, um, and Andy, you can come on up here. We'll finish with this. Um, You know, I wish I had a better car. You know, when I talk about cultivate gratitude, you know, maybe it looks like this. I wish I had a better car. Thank God I have a car with air conditioning in Texas. Thank God I have a car. I wish I had a better house. Thank God I have a roof over my head and indoor plumbing. Listen, if you have a car, you know you're in the top 5% of the most wealthiest people in the world. Just let me just drop some little truth bombs on you real quick. You're struggling about the car? Man, you're in the top 5% most wealthiest people in the world. All right? It, you got a house, right? With indoor plumbing? Man, that that most people in the entire world uh, don't have indoor plumbing. Okay? I'm so busy. My life is so hectic. All that kind of stuff. And I slip into this one all the time. People are like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm so busy. I'm so hectic. I sound like the miserable person, not the person having a feast, right? I thank God I have a family and friends, a community that makes my life significant and keeps me busy doing things and blessing others. You guys feel that? You see what I'm trying to say here? trying to say we ought to cultivate gratitude in our own lives. We ought to be thankful for where God has you. Staycation, all right? Be be grateful and content where God has put you with what he's given you. I'm not saying don't have goals. I'm not saying, like, don't chase the goals. I'm talking about that demonic oppression, that demonic pressure that you feel when you lose sight of who God made you to be and who God is telling you you are and you're like, I'm garbage, I'm trash because of you choosing to compare yourself. I'm not talking about goals. I think that's great. I'm talking about the pressure that you feel, the pressure that you feel when you compare yourselves to what you see on social media or what you see on TV, what you see with your friends around you and that bitterness that begins to well up in you. That's the thing that that leads you down a path that you're gonna end up broken You're going to end up so far from God. And what God is saying today through killing comparisons and cultivating gratitude is we ought to chase after God, that He is the one that can satisfy. He is the one that can satisfy. And this morning, uh, I'm going to pray for us, and we'll have the band come up. This morning, like, I want to challenge you on another level, all right? The bitterness that you're holding in your heart, I want you to let that go. We're gonna worship God. If we're gonna cultivate a a spirit of gratitude in our lives, we ought to thank God for what we have. We ought to thank God for the people we have around us. We ought to thank God for the relationships that we have, the belongings that we have. We ought to be content right where you are. And this morning, let's use this time of worship to just worship God. And like with your mouth, maybe you've never worshiped God like this. Maybe you've never had a conversation with God like this. And this place is safe. Like you can literally say it out loud. Like I'm going to be saying it out loud. I'm going to be saying, thank God for my house. Thank God for my HHR. Thank God for my healthy kid. Thank God for my wife. Thank God for my church. Thank God for the purpose that he has for me. Thank God for all the blessings that I have. And and I think we should just start to cry out to God and just thank him for that. Thank him for that. Because there's healing in confessing, God, I've been bitter. 
But God, you know what? I'm thankful. Let's pray. God, we need your presence right now. We feel your presence. We need your healing power. We need your love. Some of us in this room are struggling with bitterness so hard right now, and we're struggling, God, with just with just envy. We're struggling with malice. We're struggling with comparing ourselves to other people. And God, I just pray, Lord, healing over our hearts. I pray that your spirit come into this place like a fresh wind, like the ocean waves, and you crash into us, and you clean us, that you heal us, that you help us. God, in those moments where we feel bitter and we compare ourselves to others, God, I pray, Lord, that your voice be so loud in our ears. Be grateful. Be grateful. And God, I just pray right now as we worship you, God, that some demonic pressure of bitterness be lifted off of some of us in this room. God, I pray, Lord, that you have the power of heaven and earth and you can do things that we can't. And God, I just pray that you lift that demonic pressure that we've invited into our life because we're bitter and angry. God, change our hearts today. Change our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.